One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Come in, Kronstein. I've planned for Spectre to steal from the Russians their new lecto-decoding machine. Neither the Russians nor the British will be aware that they are now working for us. You are sure this plan is foolproof? Yes, it is. Because I have anticipated every possible variation of counter-move. Except for one thing. Now, Mr. Bond here, I've never even heard of a Tatiana Romanova. Of course, girls do fall in love with pictures of film stars. So you're Tatiana Romanova. You look just like your photograph. No, it's some sort of trap. And the bait is a cipher machine. If there's any chance of us getting a lector, we simply must look into it. Welcome to Istanbul. How is she going to get the machine over to us? She's leaving that to me. She'll do anything I say. Anything. My friend, she's got you dangling. That doesn't matter. All I want is that lector. All? Well. An ordinary black leather case. On the side here, flat throwing knife. My orders are to kill you and deliver the lector. Oh, I do, it's my business. Let his death be a particularly unpleasant humiliating one. Tell me, which lunatic assignment did they get you out of? Take it easy, O7. My escape route's only for one. Life in Istanbul will never be the same without you. And welcome to Smirsh Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hey, or you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be heading to Istanbul to sleep with as many women as possible on behalf of Queen and Country, while also retrieving Elector and foiling Spectre. Yes, it's from Russia with love. And joining me to sit and watch two half-naked women wrestle is writer supreme Neil Forsyth. Hello, Neil. Hello, John. I want to say before we begin that there were two pieces of telly last year that were my favourite bits of telly. One was, I think it was Chernobyl was last year, wasn't it? And the other one was Guilt. 
Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind. I think it's amazing. And it's got a second series. Yes, I'm writing it just now. I'm currently trying, to, currently trying to wrangle the final episode, which is pretty painful. But uh, no, very, very much enjoying being back into it. I'm guessing, this is my idea what the second series is. They go abroad, the hotel's not finished. <laughs> no one speaks the lingo. Yeah. And there's a revolution. It's, oh, it's Yeah, well, that's why I'm just popping in the revolution now, actually, just to get myself out of a few narrative scrapes. But uh, yes, it's, oh, you fucking, that's uncanny. That is uncanny. Don't tell anyone else. I won't. No one listens to this. It's fine. <laughs> I'm really excited though. I can't wait to see the second series of that. Oh, thanks, man. No, it's it's. Um, I was really delighted with the re- reaction to the first one, and, and just yeah, very very pleased that we managed to get a second series, and and especially in the the current state of the the business, we kind of sneaked the commission in under the wire just before the old corona rolled into town. So I think yeah. uh, I feel very grateful. Yeah. How how's it been for you the old lockdown? Have you got lots done, or have you struggled? It's been all right. I mean, I feel I feel very grateful and fortunate to be honest that, that I have I've had work to write I've had a short a series to write and yeah. um so that's taken away a lot of stresses that I would have undoubtedly have otherwise and I think yeah. a lot of people in the kind of the business do you know so I think um on the grand scheme of things I think I'm, I feel I feel pretty pretty fortunate and, and lucky um with it all yeah good I'm glad you're all right um, I'm fine. Yes. And how about you? How about you? Uh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I've um, had things to do as well, but I just can't do them. So I've been doing this instead. It's, diff- it's definitely difficult. I mm. mean, there's pragmatic domestic stuff that's obviously harder than lockdown, but I think mm. it is that first month or two was just very, very odd. And I think yeah. it's. Um, no, but I think it, for me, it's writing has always been quite a good escape, really. I think. Right. So I, I, I managed to kind of. I, I, I definitely wasn't working full time, but I, I, I managed to kind of tick along, and it was good to have genuine deadlines as well. Because mm. I think if I'd been developing stuff and trying to self-impose deadlines, then I think it would have been much, uh, much harder. But um, yeah, aye, yeah. Anyway, so from Russia with love, yes, yeah. So I, I wanted you to do a Connery because Connery gets name checked in guilt as well, doesn't he? He does, mm, yes. So there's so. a little bit in, of um, I was a, it's a kind of yeah a well-worn Edinburgh apocryphal thing about the size of Connery's milk round, which is the number of <laughs> number of people in Edinburgh that claim that he delivered their milk. <laughs> yeah, so I was very keen that you did one. Obviously, with you being Scottish as well, it would feel, yes. seem foolhardy not to go down that road. Yeah, well, I lived in Edinburgh for a long time as well, and. Mm. Uh, he was sort of all over the place. I always say, like, with Edinburgh, I don't know, have you ever been at Buenos Aires? No. So Buenos Aires, every steak restaurant has a photo of a kind of uh, red-faced tubby Maradona with the chef. Right. And then, uh, it, like, every Italian restaurant in Edinburgh has a photo of Connery with the chef. Yeah. I think it was quite similar, really, like, in terms of that sort of iconic everyman figures, and he said proper heroic sort of figure in, in Edinburgh, quite rightly. And the other the other Connery aspect from Edinburgh that I, I was kind of part of was his brother, Neil, mm. who I think, and he did a bit of acting. Was he in, in a couple of Bond pastiches, I think? Yes, he? he did, yeah. Okay, Connery. Yeah, and then he was a plasterer in Edinburgh for, for decades. But he yeah. used to... Um, there's a pub in Edinburgh called The Penny Black, which opens at, it opens at 5am. Uh, wow. 
it's a kind of uh, if your knights still got legs in it at that time, you kind of roll up there. So particularly in the festival, a lot of people go there. Anyway, Neil Connery was there every time I'd ever been, and he he was sitting on a stool at the bar and kind of holding court and. Yeah, really nice, nice, funny guy that obviously enjoyed enjoyed the good life. But he and he looked he looked very much like Sean, just a kind of rounder face. Yes. Um, yeah. But he uh, so yeah, I used to see him stuttering about town a bit. They even went bald at around the same time as well, didn't they? They went. Sorry. They even both went bald around the same time. As well, well, he also saw he really it was like he was trying to look like he shaped his beard exactly like like his brother and things. So I think mm. he. He wasn't a man who was disappointed when people recognised him or approached him or anything like that. Mm. Um, but he, uh, yeah. So, so that was uh, that's my other Connery, my glittering Connery story. <laughs> but this this film begins with Connery walking around in the dark, um, and he's kind of. Or looking... does it? Sorry. Or does it? I or does say. it? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, because he looks like he's been on the old tanning machine for a while from the beginning of this. Uh, uh, for reasons that will soon become clear. He's, he's sort of sneaking around this country estate, and then he's being trapped by Robert Shaw as Red Graham. Yeah, and it's... Uh, and Robert Shaw, so he got the role... Was it because... Was he already Connery's golf partner? Was that it? I think that was the story, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so hunted by a pair of velvet shoes mm. initially, mm. and then yeah, they do throw you with the Connery. I mean, it's quite a clever conceit. I mean, it's maybe not aged particularly well, but no. it's uh, smart. It's nice kind of storytelling. The funny thing about this film, I found, I rewatched it again this morning, is that it feels like a sequel more than any other Bond film. Yeah, there's lots of the- references to Doctor No in this. Yeah, they assume they very much assume you you watched the the previous film. Yeah, and it doesn't really stand. Yeah, it, it, I know what you mean. It doesn't really stand entirely on its own two feet, does it? No, definitely not. It's a weird thing. Bond films, apart from the new ones, but Bond films generally just don't pay any attention to what's happened before. Um, but this one definitely does. But he, um, Red Grant, nips out from behind a statue and, and throttles Connery to death. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, but then, uh-huh. then we reveal it wasn't uh, it wasn't Connery. No, loads of floodlights come on, and uh, uh, his handler comes in, and they remove a mask from the corpse, um, which I feel is a bit overkill, literally. Um, in what way? Well, he he was he's been clocked in at one minute fifty two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, did he actually need to murder the man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Was the man yeah. aware he was about going to be murdered <laughs> when he took part in the training program? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 they're point. on an island. They're on Spectre Island. He's probably arrived and thought, "Oh, it's good to have a job," you know. And yeah. they're like, "All you have to do is wander around and dress like James Bond. It's fine." And then he's yeah, he, yeah, there's no way he would have thought that's like going paintballing and, and being shot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so he's dead. They've probably got a skip round the back that's just full of <laughs> blokes who look a bit like Sean Connery. Um, yeah, so he's, he's done well, and they wander off. And then we get the opening credits, um, which yeah. I, I really enjoy. Yeah, um, I love them. Yeah, it feels like, a, feels like you've wandered dr- drunk into like a 60s Soho nightclub. Yeah, and the they on and on, which I enjoy. I love, I love the kind of front-loaded credits. Um, mm. And then loads of writers... 
which I think you feel sometimes in this film actually and then because yeah. also um, Terence Young was chucking in all sorts of ideas of his own as he shot and it does it does feel a bit disjointed I think particularly yeah. the first half yeah um, and then and also the song it's an instrumental version instead of the actual song and it sounds a bit like they've given Bobby Crush PCP <laughs> it's just this mad organ going no, on Li- Lionel Bart yeah it's Lionel Bart's who song who was a, yeah. a mad organ in himself I think. He, he, uh, he was he probably had PCP a, as well yeah he's, uh, I was asked if I wanted to write his story a few years ago I don't know if oh, anyone's yeah. doing it they were trying to do it for a long time but it's a great story I mean it's it's really interesting it's it kind of made all his money from Oliver and, and um, lost it all on that Robin Hood musical spunked it on twang twang that's it the worst yeah. name for a musical ever <laughs> no. and then he and sold then, all of his rights for peanuts didn't he he sold his rights for peanuts to Max Bygraves who then sold them for a fortune <laughs> big um, money yeah he, uh, so he um, I'll tell you a very quick Mike's Max Bygraves story mm, if you like mm-hmm. so I was having dinner with, when, I, when we made Bob Servant Hmm. At the end of the night, I, I stayed in the same hotel as Brian Cox, and um, we'd have a couple of drinks and things, and, and we'd all get a bit sleepy and hysterical. And every one night, he said to me, "I said, what are you doing? Uh, what are you shooting next?" And he said, "Well, I've just shot um, a Max Bygraves biopic, and it's getting released in a few months." Right. And I thought, why the fuck has someone made a Max Bygraves biopic, and why have they cast Brian anyway? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't think much more of it, and I, then I woke up and that was the first thing I thought. But it's just fucking bewildering. So anyway, I was on the set, and I saw Brian get dropped off. He looked very flustered. <laughs> I heard him asking where I was, and he came storming over the set. And he went, "Matt Busby, Matt Busby." There you go. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he's a very funny, very funny man, particularly when he's confused. <laughs> anyway, but we've gone from the uh, excitement of our sexy CD Soho nightclub now to a chess tournament in Venice. Yeah, beautiful yeah. sort of dress. It was just an amazing shot. And the, the, the waiter wants to get a message to your man mm. playing it. And there's Cronstein. the long... But there's that longest clumsy glass of water look between them, which goes mm. on for about five seconds too long, mm-hmm. uh, and then he's off. He's off out, and it's interesting watching stuff when during COVID. You see, as he's leaving, and he's he ignores all those preferred hands to shake, yeah. and it just felt so COVIDy. I don't mm. know about you, but I, f- yeah. I find myself watching everything through that kind of weird prism. Just That's now, a good point. Yeah. And it also felt a bit like the Karate Kid because everything he was doing was then replicated on the big wall. All yes. his chess moves. But yeah, he's been summoned. He has to go and see um, number one. Yeah. So then there's the then we're off to the scene with the the fish and the heavy plot. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge to get through it all. We'll have to say. Yeah. Just layering it all, and then they start sort of out camping each other. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny with the with the cat and the stroking. It's one of these things mm. that now looks like a pastiche, and then mm. you realise no, it's the thing that is pastiched. Mm. Um, and then he feeds that tiny, tiny fish to his cat. Yeah. 
and then they just just drill out loads of plot. Yeah, basically, the the uh, they want to kill James Bond, um, so they're going to wave the bait of a lector, which apparently the British just love lectors, yes. the decoding machines. And um, the only way to get James Bond is with a pretty lady. Of course. And Rosa Klebb um, knows just the person who did uh, the Russian consulate in Istanbul who can do it. And no one knows that Klebb has actually defected from Smirsch to Spectre. Yeah. Uh, so Kronstein uh, says to them both, basically this is a foolproof plan. The British will send their best man, which is James Bond, and we can kill him because he killed Dr. No. We want revenge. That's it. And Kronstein says, "You need to please make." I mean, sorry. Um, uh, number one tells Kronstein that Bond must die a humiliating death, like a Hoover up the arse or a horse up his knob. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's subtext, but it is there. It's there, definitely. Yeah. So that's yeah. So they very much set it all up there, and then it's oh. off to Robert Shaw in a tiny towel. Yes, uh, he gets thumped in the stomach by Kleb. Well, for, yeah, so Robert Sean a tiny towel, then this woman comes over oh, to... Yeah. Massage um, him. Massage him with oil. And then, so she comes with oil to give him a massage, and mm. then when we go back to her, she's covered in oil. So she's, yeah. just, she's just had a bit of a meltdown in the, in the interim. <laughs> Again, um, I was thinking hand sanitizer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it reminded me a lot of... Um, do you remember watch RTL, the kind of soft porn German channel in the 90s? I'm familiar with it. You're familiar with her work? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they because I remember we used to go to this tennis club when we were young, uh-huh. and they had satellite TV, and we discovered to our absolute delight the the world of RTL, which uh, I think it was at eight thirty or nine o'clock. They they turned all soft porn, and it was like car bonnet, lots of car bonnet stuff. Anyway, we'd all troop up there and uh, having this Christian rush. Yeah, yeah, but then. Frida, who was the the barmaid, if she saw that we'd done it, she would come like hurtling out the bar with her dish towel and start trying to veil the Germanic breast. So we'd <laughs> we'd build a sort of assault course between the TV and the bar <laughs> to make her journey as difficult as possible to oh come and turn God. it off. So that's what that reminded me of. You know, just great times watching RTL. Yeah, I mean, they were the days, weren't they? Yeah, terrific. So, yeah, um, and I think it does feel. Uh, does feel a, a bit of a similar world, and then we're off to the the shooting range. The yes. shooting range is really interesting. Like I just, it's funny. A few times in this film, it reminded me how often uh, Bond is sort of pastiched in so many different areas. And the yeah. shooting range, it felt very like Naked Gun. You know that steady escalation mm. of. Um, you know, you went kind of shooting range, then it was karate, then it was flamethrower, knife mm-hmm. fighting. And it became ever ever more ridiculous, and that kind of it felt like a sort of comedic build that was naked gunish, really. Yes. Um, and then, then we nipped back to the woman covered in oil. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, and that's where Cleb comes arrives in a helicopter, and she gets greeted, "Welcome to Spectre Island." Yeah. So is this when we, and then we off to the embassy, and we meet Titania. Yeah, she she gives Titania a grilling. Which is a bit like if you want to go on like the show Take Me Out, I think. She's basically like, <laughs> how many men have you slept with? Let me see your knockers. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, touch of the Gordon Strachan's about her, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has. 
Yeah, she's obviously obsessed with building superhumans as well, like he was. <laughs> Didn't he say that he needed to build, uh, genetically build the perfect Scotsman? Yeah, he went down a really weird... <laughs> Eugene, I think this was trying to explain a nil-nil draw with Lithuania. That's he decided it. to go into sort of eugenics. <laughs> Which is what Cleb's done here, really. She's, Pretty much. They've bred a super Scotsman soldier, except he's English. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so she... she um, she gives Tatiana the once over and tells her you've been selected for a mission to give false information to the enemy. So fake news, Neil. Yeah. Way um, before. Way before. And then and then what's interesting is we then meet Bond about mm. like eighteen minutes in, which is amazing. Really. Yeah. You, and he's got the same girlfriend from Doctor No. Yes. I think they were gonna try and make a sort of thing about this relationship, but then I think mm. they quietly abandon it. So he's they're kissing in a boat yeah. and he gets a call. Slaps her hand away for no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, I think she playfully tries to rub his shoulder. He just casually slaps her hand with a massive excessive sound effect and then <coughs> takes the call and then pops up his car roof in a kind of fun erection signifier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says, I'll be an hour. Oh, no, I'll be an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia's like, oh, we're going to have sex in your car again. Okay. Yeah. We've come yeah. all this way and we're going to have <laughs> sex in your car. Okay. <laughs> Um, and then, then Q and Moneypenny. Yeah. Proper Q. We had Q in Doctor No, but it wasn't Desmond Llewellyn. No, it was the first, yeah, first, first appearance. So he's in it, but his hands are just as disgusting as they are <laughs> for the rest of his tenure. <laughs> Unkempt. Unkempt. They are horrible. I, I mean, he's obviously got some sort of condition, bless him, or had. <laughs> but they look like the sort of thing a over-exuberant child would make out of plasticine if he'd never seen a human. <laughs> Uh, but he shows, he's giving me his gadget in this, which is a uh, suitcase, which has got a machine gun on it, a can of spray gas, some coins, and a sniper rifle. So, you know, times when you've got a business meeting at three, but a spree killing at four. <laughs> yeah, fully covered. Yeah. And then it's great, though. I know it's, mm. quite, it's, it's uh, very boys-only stuff. And then, yeah. and then Bond leaves, and he pauses uh, Money Penny, and it's the traditional office exit of aggressively rubbing noses with the secretary. Yeah. Just leans in and just Also there's the good bit where M says to him, You need to you need to go and speak to a contact and right who can get us this lecture and Bond's basically like, Ah no, I'm not interested, thanks. And then he shows him a photo and he's like, Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh... and then as he's leaving, M messages and says, Can we have the photo back please? Uh... Oh, that's a horrible <laughs> image. <laughs> he's scurrying home with the photo. <laughs> but he gives it to Money Penny, and as he does, he writes with love, and then he's like, Oh, I'll write from Russia with love. Yeah, yeah, nice. Nice. So then he has to go to Istanbul to meet their contact, uh, Ali Karim Bey, who's the station head there. Yeah. And all the time, Red Grant's following them. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's picked up by a driver and the driver tells him that they always have people following them because here in Istanbul there's this weird arrangement where Bulgarians who are working for the Russians follow them and they follow them back yeah, no. doesn't make doesn't any sense scrutiny. Oh, really? <laughs> scrutiny. I mean where does it end you just cut the line just cut the line lads it's, not, yeah. it's, only, it's only drawing attention to this, I mean they might problem. just sit on a roundabout and go round it all day yeah uh, but he arrives at Ali's office and Ali's basically like ah oh, that driver's good isn't he and he's like yeah he's fine he's like my son everyone that works with me is my son I just thought go to a temp agency you don't have to keep making employees <laughs> it's a very long winded way of doing things 
but yeah, he, t- he tells Bond, you know, this mission, uh, I've got a good nose and this smells. This is a waste of time. Somebody taps his nose. Mm. Yeah, he taps his nose. I don't, I just, yeah, it was a very unnecessary flourish, but he taps his nose up to ten times at that point. But yes. then, the, then there's a man tied up through the back. Mm. Um, yeah, Red Grant intercepted the uh, Bulgarian that's following yes, him. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he says to Bond, basically, this looks like it's a trap because it's all too easy. And Bond's basically just got the horn. He's like, I don't care. I just want to have sex with this woman. And yeah, Ali's like, listening. yeah, all right, fair enough. I understand that. Uh, so then he's off, off hot-footed, uh, hot, hot-footed hot Bond to the hotel. Yeah, but meanwhile, Ali um, uh, tells him that Tatiana's going to make arrangements to contact him. So, yeah, he can just go. Yes. Yeah, just head back. So he goes... Um, as he drives away, yes, when we see that he's being the car now is being driven by Red Grant, he beats up the driver and kills him, and dumps the body, and then gets in the car with Cleb, and she's like, "Great, we're going to start a war." Yeah, so they bring them, bring those two together. Yeah, um, and, she, and then is, is the so Cleb to, to explain their their historic connection? These two are these are they just met? I couldn't quite where that is. Cleb and Red Grant. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, he, she, basically Spectre Island are like training super soldiers. She's gone to Spectre Island to pick yeah, someone right. for this mission. She basically Picture needed... And punched him in, yeah, and, and punching him in the stomach was the final test. Exactly. Yeah, so he wasn't sick. Like, yeah. That's what they did to Houdini, of course, on Spectre Island, and he died. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they, they needed... They basically just need a posh British person yeah. who's good at being a, a, a spy, and they got him now. Um, but then, meanwhile, Ali's in his office... Uh, and with a lady, and he's about to have sex with her when the whole room explodes. It does. And it would have been much better if it come back, cut back to them, and they were like all burnt face with hair sticking up. Yeah, and a half half burnt cigarette. Yeah, and then he said, "Was it good for you too?" <laughs> but what, the best bit is, is he lies about it. When when Bond and everybody turn up in his office and they're looking around, he says, "I was I was meant for me at the desk, but I was relaxing on the sofa." I thought you lying <laughs> bastard. <laughs> You were about to end your end away. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, I don't understand why the Russians are breaking the truce. I don't get it. And then Bond's like, oh, well, it might, it might be something to do with me. And then he says, ah, well, let's go and find out. And then he takes him to an underground tunnel that leads to a periscope into the Russian consulate. Yes. Well, first of all, there was that weird off-color light of, was your technique too violent? So oh, that's there right. A, yeah. There was a girl crying. It was horrible. Mm. But then off underground... This is this is exciting. I like all the the secret cellar stuff. And Do you think that, Ali's testicles exploded? I'd hope so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then yeah. the, the, the 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 first sighting of the rats in the cellar. Yeah. Um, which is just nuts. The production story with them. So it was. They wanted to see the thing with the rats, so they were going to do it in Turkey. Mm-hmm. But when they got to Turkey, the local rats were white, so they painted them with chocolate. Um, but then the rats just understandably just spent the whole scene licking themselves mm-hmm. so they junked it they went to Spain so they could film with local black rats it's just but I love that um, you know that era of filmmaking where it's yeah. just it was just the art of the possible and it was in the script so they'd find a way to do it whereas now just you know, lose the rats it wouldn't yeah. it, it just wouldn't happen but they'd put computer rats in now yeah 
the extravagance of the, the the kind of the Bond films at this this time were just just brilliant. And you know, mm. jumping about locations and yeah. they all went massively over budget. And we'll get onto that at the end with the mm. Scottish stuff. Yeah. Um, so they they then spy on the Russians um, through it's the periscope. Upskirt. It's an upskirt shot. And it Bond's is, isn't it? Gri- Bond's growling with pleasure in a rat-infested cellar. It's mm. pretty grim. Basically, they find out that there's a guy um, called uh, Krilenku, uh, who's uh, who's a known assassin. And Ali says to Bond, well, you can't go back to your hotel because they'll kill you. So I'm going to take you to the safest place, a sexy gypsy woman camp. And uh, so bizarre, this whole section. I don't get why it's in it. I just, you could lose all of that, and yeah. I don't understand what impact that would make in the story. And it's, it, sort of like, it's written by someone who were told, can you write the gypsy bit? And they were like, yeah, okay, I must I must research gypsies. And they just never got around to researching uh-huh. before they'd written it, because it's the most nonsensical kind of one-note sequence of about 10 minutes or something. Yeah, it? it really drags as well. The only bit that's in there that's any of any relevance is that Red Grant's... Yes. helping him to you know because he wants him to complete his mission but I could have done another scene that did the same thing really yeah it's really weird and yeah. so they're in there they get attacked by a mob led by sort of the Chuckle Brothers dad <laughs> it's like and then it gets it's, it was odd as well it's, the, the more violent it gets the more Bond becomes this sort of slapstick figure so he's yeah. just walking about pushing people into buckets and yeah. collapsing tents and things and then uh, and then it just it just descends into complete farce. I think, like I, I always think, like Bond, Bond and Flashman. There's a sort of Venn diagram between those two worlds, and I think this film definitely crosses over a few times and becomes yeah. very Flashmany. Even that, even the fact that Bond's almost a slightly cowardly figure during the battle. Mm. Um, it just, it just. I mean, especially if you look at this compared to the second half of the film, it just feels like something from a different planet. Absolutely, yeah. And as you say, it just goes a bit silly because Ali gets shot, and if you look at his hand as he gets shot, he's literally just popping this blood capsule on his arm or something, just like ah, oh! and his blood just starts whacking out from his hand. Um, and um, Bond's about to be stabbed, but then Red grunts sort of across the way with a with a gun and just pops the guy. And uh, yeah. Bond looks around for a second and then is like, oh, okay, that's fine. Doesn't really think about where that came from. No. And then strange. and then the Chuckle Brothers' dad and all the gang just basically run away. Yeah. Never seen again. Oh, and he, uh, Bond saves, like, the, the dad of all the gypsies uh, yeah. during the scuffle. And the dad says, you know, you are now my son. Uh, is there anything we can do for you? And then Bond says, yeah, don't, no more lady wrestling. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. So they bring the two ladies to his tent. I know. And then say, you can pick the winner. Um, and then he just closes the, the tent door. It's, it's, um, it's a difficult section, this one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My name's Jason Fleming. The More Than My Past podcast will see me talking to a wide range of inspiring people. People who have confronted and overcome addiction or imprisonment or both and turned their lives around. I did mad things that was hurting myself and hurting other people. Everybody grows up in a house called normal. Heroin addiction and chaos was my normal. Some people don't understand the word moderation and uh, I was definitely one of those people. The More Than My Past podcast. (laughs) 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So Ali and Bond decide they have to kill Chuckle Brothers' dad. Yeah. And again, this bit just feels more padding. I don't understand what this what relevance this has on the grand scheme of things. It feels like a subplot. Yeah, and it doesn't really play off anywhere later. It's a, but again, yeah. I think this is the kind of thing I, I I do think when you have endless writers, this is the kind of problems you maybe get into like this maybe made more sense about 10 drafts ago mm. um and then but people love the idea of the scene and it just sort of hangs about and i don't know it's it's it, or, or it also feels like the kind of scene that a director would love to shoot with the whole the whole world of it and the, yeah the, so who knows but it's um but yeah, it's, so. it's the point that because Ali, Ali's got this bad arm, but he feels he needs to get revenge or something. So Bond helps him. They shoot the Chuckle Brothers' dad, uh, who's coming out of Anita Eckberg's mouth. Yeah. Bond says, "Oh, I should, should have kept that mouth shut." Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the whole scene. And I, just, I mean, it doesn't like you say it doesn't pay off because Ali, uh, uh, not to get into too much of it later on, but he needs quite an um, uh, bland end, you know. He doesn't yeah, get. He doesn't pay off for him. No, I, I still think he was. He wasn't really needed, but it was. Um, anyway, he. Uh, we, let's leave. Let's get away from the gypsies. Yeah, please, please, please. Um, so he goes back home uh, to his hotel room, starts running a bath, and then he realizes he's not alone. And in his bed is Tatiana. Yeah. Dubbed by the actress Barbara Jefford. And this was then. This then became the auditioning. It certainly did, yeah. You can see James Brolin doing this scene. So you are Titania Romanova. My friends call me Tanya. Mine call me James Bond. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, when they were doing Octopussy, because towards the end of Roger's tenure, he would basically sort of only in the 11th hour say, all right, I'll do another one. So he'd always screen test people. And James Brolin had a screen test for Octopussy, and he does this scene. 
my, I'm I'm James Bond. What did she say? My friends call me Tatiana Romanova, and he says my friends call me James Bond. Oh really? Yeah, that's great. And it's weird. Uh, and this is when you get the whole bit where she says her mouth too big, and you get this really weird close up of her mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he says, uh, "It's just a large size for me that dish." <laughs> and then they awkwardly kiss. <laughs> I know. Kissing in those days in films was so awkward to look at. Sort of aggressive. It looks like it's their um, first kiss. Yeah, and then the uh, the really let me reveal that they're watching through the mirror. And, yeah. and and originally it went on on and on and on. I think it was at the British censors <clears throat> that made them cut it right back. All oh, right. Oh God. Um. So yeah, I'm quite glad. Yeah. Considering what was left with, I wouldn't want to see where it could go to. But it was um that that was yeah. So then that sets up um, the two of them. And then yep. they're, uh, they're they go to the mosque. To the boat. Oh, the mosque first. Yeah. They go oh, yeah, to the, the Hagia Sophia, uh, yeah. a mosque, and Bond. And this bit again is just really confusing and convoluted. She leaves the plans. A Bulgarian goes to get them. Red Grant kills the Bulgarian. Bond gets them, and then they leave. Yeah. And, and then he says to Ali, "Oh, there was a dead Bulgarian there, but I got the plans, and they match perfectly." And Ali was like, "Oh, never mind." And you're like, well, did we need that? No, no. no. The Bulgarians have a really tough shift throughout they, this. They film. certainly do. <laughs> yeah, it's like some seventies World Cup. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the blueprints all match up, as I say. And Ali says again, a word of warning: this has been way too easy. Something's not right here. And he says, you know, maybe you should think with your brain and not your penis. Yeah. Uh, which you know, coming from a man who's got about four hundred children, <laughs> is a bit rich. Uh, but this is when they go on the ferry, and he's pretending to take pictures in her, but he's actually, the camera is actually a, listen, a recording device, yeah. and he's asking her about the lecture. And back in London, M and everybody are sat around this table listening to it. And then Money Penny has to be sent out of the room because of the filth. That's right, because she says, um, well, there's the firstly, there's the bit where she says, "Can we? Will we make love?" And Bond says, "Yes, yeah, day and night." Yeah. Uh, which like the neighbours used to be on like that. And then um, Bond's like, "Well." She she says uh, to describe a time, um, uh, have he has he had an exciting time with Western girls, and then he says, "Well, there was an inter- interesting experience with M and I and with some Tokyo girls," and M's like, "Fuck!" and turns it off. I really <laughs> yeah. want to know what happened there. Reminds me of. Um, do you ever hear the interview with David Coulthard when he retired from uh, no. from racing? And he was getting interviewed, this very dry interview, and they said, you know, what was your greatest regret? Was it, I think there was one of the Grand Prix where he, he should have won and came second or a couple <laughs> of others. He went, and he said, oh, to be honest, my greatest regret was a couple of twins in Argentina. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he said, um, I decided I had to be up early, so I wasn't able to pursue their suggested plan or something. Oh, it, was my this, God. it was this elderly BBC sports Porter just flailing yeah, with the microphone in the, in the pit stop. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the, the plan's not on now. That they're going to go to the consulate. Uh, Bond's going to pr- pretend he's applying for a visa, and Ali is going to set off a bomb in the tunnel underneath, which will give him time to run in and get the lecture. Yeah. Um, so they do exactly that. They run out. They get to the train station to meet Ali, and Tatiana notices they're being followed by um, Russian security. Yeah, and this is... I think this is where the film just becomes brilliant. I think from Absolutely. almost from from him going to the embassy onwards, mm-hmm. I just think it is 
it is just fantastic and it's it's just it's, it goes at such a clip mm. and it's smart and interesting and sort of twisty along the way it feels like and this I don't know if I'm talking shit here but it feels like this is the exact moment when he blows up the consulate and gets on this train this is the exact moment the Bond as a franchise which is the word they use these days just clicked into place because from here on in you know, and then Goldfinger, Thunderball, etc., etc. It feels like they've got exactly what they want to do as a film. And before, pre the consulate, it's very flabby, like a late fifties, early sixties spy film. Well, yeah, but it's also a bit too character heavy, and he's not—he's mm. not a hugely deep character, but no. so it's like you really need to set him against action. Mm. Um, you know, and that's where the second half works so well. Whereas the first half, he sort of—he just sort of wallows about and. Mm. You don't find out anything new about him. It's just sort of he's sort of just he's sort of being buffeted about by events a little bit as well. I think. Yeah. Whereas from now on, he's just driving everything and making the decisions that lead to the next stage of the story. And and it's it's yeah, it's so clean and confident the second half. Yes. And then weirdly, the first half really contrasts with that on lots of levels. But mm. but that's what happens. You know, it takes time to I guess work out what it. What it is, but you're you're right. I think from here it is. This is Bond as we know it, really. Yeah. Um, they get on the train. Sort of the Russians. So Shaw's on it. Yeah, Robert Shaw's and on then it. And Tanya says she doesn't have any clothes for the next two days, so he gives her a nighty. Mm-hmm. And she loves it. She loves it. She's delighted. She's um, very. It reminds me very much of when Chris Evans um, was going out with Billy Piper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what doesn't? <laughs> and that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Concessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hunton and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Concessions. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.